I want to read something really quickly that was spoken by uh, Rabbi David Marcus. And it, what he said about this time period and looking at Tisha B'Av, which, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, is actually the saddest day of the year in Judaism because both the first and second temples were destroyed on Tisha B'Av. He says, Tisha B'Av focuses us on what's buried in darkness. And in seven weeks, Rosh Hashanah will open wide the Teshuvah gates, the gates of return for spiritual renewal. He says, our summer, fall journey is our spring journey, referring back to the counting of the Omer, which is also a seven-week period, uh, where we return to our beginnings. That's why Rosh Hashanah is recognized at the, as the beginning of the year of the Jewish calendar. This week I'm going to talk about a little something that could seem strange, but if you bear with me, I will explain it. To begin with, let me say, tell you, what: if you haven't looked in your bulletin and seen the title of this week's message, there's one letter that makes a lot of difference. It's content, or what's my favorite thing? Context. Content or context. Which one's more important? Well, it could be either one. But within the content of the scriptures, we have to always remember to keep them in context. Content is everything written in here. Just like a a bottle of soda. It contains soda. That's what's in it. But all the different little ingredients in there, some may have allergies or other things that would prevent them from drinking it. So the context of the content is important. Within the content of Scripture, we have to remember context. And context is simply this. What is it that comes before and what is it that comes after the thing you're looking at or talking about or thinking about, that develops the context of that statement or that passage. We could take almost anything out of the scriptures in the wrong context and make it make sense to some degree. So I may say some things in the beginning of this message that may shock you. But if knowing what I just said and knowing how I feel about keeping things in context, you may understand that I'm going somewhere with it. But would you be shocked, would you be surprised to know that there's a passage in this week's Torah portion where it's allowed that we can worship other gods and bow down to them? Would you believe that? Would you be shocked to to hear that that's in there? And not only is it allowed, but according to the Torah, it's a command. Moses is issuing a set of commands here. He's reviewing the entire Torah. All the commands of God, he's repeating them and bringing them in full circle. As a matter of fact, this particular command is given right in the middle of the Shema. Hard to believe it could happen, right? It's hard to believe it could possibly be true. 
Bear with me a moment and I will show you. Because it says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16, you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. That's what it says. But doesn't that clearly say it's a mitzvah? It's a command as Moses is speaking to bow down to other gods and worship them? That's what we just read right out of Moses' mouth. Right? Well, it is what came out. It is what he said. There's no denying that he said it. But it's not exactly right. Because back to what I said. Context. So what's the problem with the verse the way I read it? If you're reading along, then you can you can see what's going on. If you're just listening, you can probably imagine that I've lost my mind. What I intentionally left off was the first half of that verse. Where it says, watch yourselves so your heart is not deceived and following. What makes That makes all the difference in the world though, doesn't it? If you just read that part that I quoted, wow, I can, I can worship, I'm supposed to worship other gods? But in its full context, the verse says, watch yourself so your heart is not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Makes a big difference putting all the words together, doesn't it? So it matters if you include all the words or only part of them. For years, I'm sure you can quote many people that have made many statements that sound really good, and they got them right out of Scripture. But they pulled them completely out of their original context. So when we leave them out and take them out of context, it becomes a command that says we're supposed to do something, which we would rightly think is wrong. There's no way we're supposed to do that. But with those words, whether they're in context or not, they serve as a warning telling us not what not to do. So the context means a whole lot. The content included the statement I made. Again, it came from Moses' mouth. Maimonides once said this, From this, we learn how important it is to be careful and never judge any text or any person out of context. We just have five more weeks until Yom Teruah, until Rosh Hashanah. And we're drawing close to the beginning of the month of Elul. And in the month of Elul, we get ready for one of the undoubtedly the most sacred and solemn days of the year. About nine years ago, some of you may have heard this story, maybe not, but Breitbart released on their website a video of then USDA Georgia State Director of Rural Development, Shirley Sherrod, as she was speaking to the NAACP. In that video, it appeared that Sherrod was saying that she had discriminated against a, he, a white farmer who was trying to save his property. Within just a few hours of that interview, she faced attacks by politicians. She was denounced 
by authorities. She was criticized by the very group she was speaking to, the NAACP. And she was ultimately told by the Obama administration that she should immediately resign her position. And she was ultimately terminated from that position. But that wasn't the end of this drama she was going through. As it turns out, I guess it wouldn't surprise you, that the video clip was heavily edited and clearly taken out of context. The complete story says that she had originally um, faced a farmer who was rude, and because of that rudeness, she didn't want to help him. But she did help him anyway, and she was able to help him save his property. She said later that working with him made me see that it's really about those who have versus those who don't. They could be black, they could be white, they could be Hispanic. And made me realize then that I needed to work to help poor people, those who don't have access the way others have. Now, let me say something. I'm not necessarily a fan of Shirley Sherrod, okay? It's not why I'm sharing this story. But it's obvious that she did not deserve the treatment she received. Because the media and the administration took that short, out-of-context clip And without that clip, it sounded like she was definitely being racist toward a white farmer, which she wasn't. Matter of fact, she was later offered another position with the administration. But her experience should have taught a valuable lesson. Not just to the parties involved, not to the NWACP, not to the Obama administration, not to the pundits, but... but also to us today, to not judge so fast and never take things out of context. It can destroy reputations. It can destroy people. As I said, we have five more weeks till we get to Yom Teruah. And there are two basic ways that we prepare for the beginning of the new year. Probably the easiest part of preparing is to take care of the, all the external planning setting our final our final financial obligations in order and taking care of all of that but also for the ladies especially deciding what am i going to wear men do that too by the way some men or if you're if you're hosting an event in your home for Yom Teruah or any of the fall holidays there come, becomes this whole thing of making a list of who do I invite? What am I going to make? What am I going to cook? What, what's on the menu? And then plan it all out. The harder part of preparing is becoming introspective and looking inside ourselves and determining where we are spiritually. It involves us looking back over the past year to see what we've done or what we haven't done since last Yom Teruah so that we can determine what it is that we need to be correcting before this year comes to an end. Those are the two basic things we have to be concerned about in our preparation for Yom Teruah. There's other things in between and that may, but those are the two basic things. 
One of the sins included in the Yom Kippur confessional is for the sin which I have committed before you by being judgmental. Which is what we started off talking about. Judging somebody incorrectly and unfairly. I don't think there's any one of us. I mean, I, I'm, I can't say I'm not guilty of ever having done that. But I think most of us can say we've done that. Because as human, human beings, we judge each other all the time. Sometimes it's more often than at other times. But just like the Shirley Sherrod incident, it can sometimes be careless, even cavalier and insensitive, and ultimately wrong. Our tradition has come to understand that this is true. So, at least once a year, if not more often, we come to this very important time and use it to come face-to-face with those shortcomings and own up to them and make atonement. I say at least once a year because as believers in Yeshua, we know that we can come before Him 365 days a year, or 365.25 days a year, and seek forgiveness and turn from those things that we've done that may not have been pleasing to Him. But at least once a year, when we get to Yom Kippur, we release those things. We seek forgiveness for those things. There's a poem called In the Street by uh, Roger Bush. He was a Methodist minister from Australia. And I think this illustrates that particular sin. So listen very carefully. There's four part, three parts to this, this poem. It seems like it's three, four, three different subjects, but it's continuing through. She was pretty. And she smiled at the men approaching. I could see her in profile. A sweet thing, and cheeky too. Embarrassed males turned away, quickened their pace, looking guilty. Some blushed, but undaunted, she met with an expectant smile the next, only again to be refused. Soliciting, I thought, a prostitute, in broad daylight until she turned. And I saw she was selling buttons for a charity. He staggered down the steps and fell, Lord. A crumpled mass on the footpath. His bottle broke and liquid spilled across the walk. He's drunk, I thought. Disgust, disdain. Until two girls rushed from a nearby car and cried, It's Daddy, please help. He's ill. He caught my gaze, this greedy-eyed young man. He, too, had seen the open handbag on the aged arm. With a few dollars exposed to view, he stalked his prey. And the old woman just window-shopped. He'll grab and run, I thought. But no. Quietly, he tapped her shoulder, pointed to the bag, exchanged smiles. They went their way. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, why do I always think the worst in your children? How many of us have done things like that? It's, it's almost natural for us in the flesh to do things like that. 
I think that poem speaks to the insensitivity that we witness and participate in as we judge others, usually because the judgment is out of context. Without getting into the details, how many of you remember back in 2010 when Israel boarded the Mavi Marmara? It was during the flotilla incident. It was during the Gaza blockade. The media frenzy, and that I know that sounds so redundant to say media frenzy because it, it, that's what they do. They portrayed Israel as the villain, mostly because they showed something that was true but out of context. If you're not familiar with the incident, then look it up. It wasn't what the media portrayed as happening. But I'm going to share with you a little something about my preparation for messages. You know, I get some of the things in bits and pieces. They don't all come together until usually after midweek and I'm Usually, and I think Mouse can attest to this, sometimes it's Friday night, you're still trying to polish it out a little bit. Well, I took a break from planning, and even as I was preparing this message, I caught myself falling victim to the tendency to judge the actions of others. This, is, this was really recent, something recently happened. It's, it was horrible, of course, but there was a story from just a couple of months ago about a woman who left her infant daughter in the car in near 100 degree temperatures. This is, I think this is Scottsdale or Goodyear, Arizona. Just a couple of months ago. You can imagine how that could have turned out. My first reaction was to think she was either high or drunk. Well, as it turns out, she and her sister were distracted by their conversation. She actually let her six-year-old daughter out of the car. But that was as far as they went. They kept talking, and during that distraction, they forgot about the infant. Neither one of them realized the baby was still in the car. By the way, baby was taken to the hospital, and she was checked out, and she was fine. But see how my initial reaction was to judge her for her negligence? Well, yes, she was negligent. She was arrested for child endangerment. She said, I should have been arrested for what happened. But it was, there was no ill intent. There was no, nothing, no malice involved. They were so busy <laughs> to fill in a little blank. They were talking about shaving their legs. The details involved in shaving their legs. Of all things. But it was enough to distract them long enough to forget the baby was in the car. But my mind went somewhere else. But how many have heard the saying that the devil can quote scripture? Because that is so true. He can probably quote scripture better than you or myself. But the thing is, all he needs to do is the same thing I did back at the beginning of this message. And quote something out of context, leaving it out completely, and causing people to believe the lie. To believe something that's true, but it's not the complete truth. I've been guilty of that before. 
I will say something, not necessarily from Scripture, but I will say something that I leave out the important fact that brings it all together. And it paints a very bleak picture of whatever or whoever I'm speaking of. And that can just completely destroy reputations. It can completely destroy relationships. It can completely destroy families when you take things out of context. How many have heard someone speaking as you walk in a room and thought when they, what you heard them say was so horrible and you made a judgment in your mind about them only to find out later they're talking about a story that they heard or that you caught the last end of what they were saying when you put it all back in context. Oh, that's not what they meant at all. I mean, Bati and I were sitting down to eat our dinner last night at a, our favorite restaurant for our Friday dinner. And something happened a table away. We didn't think the same thing, but we both thought something negative about what was happening at that table only until we thought, figured out that what we perceived just looking wasn't what was actually happening. So we both caught ourselves at that moment and we repented because it's so easy to slip into that. And all you're doing, get understanding. That's what the context of the content is all about. Is you, you know these things, you hear these things, you read these things, but is it in the proper context? Sometimes context will be about certain people. Sometimes context will be about a certain area or region of the world. We have to, as we read Scripture, understand that sometimes what we read may not apply to us individually. But they do apply to the nation, the nation of Israel. And if we're going to be part of those who support, defend the nation of Israel, we do need to become somewhat judgmental. We do need to be careful what we listen to, what we say, because we can easily be speaking against that which we support very easily. I know it's sometimes risky to actually speak out things. And it's easy to be making snap judgments based on what you see and the little bit of conversation that you may hear. One rabbi said this, and by the way, I am wrapping it up. He once said, for, and I agree with him, for every sermon that I give, there are four versions. The what I say, what I should have said, what they say I said, and what I meant to say. And all of those things are true every time all any of us open our mouths because we can so easily be misunderstood. And no, I'm not going to break out into the song, Mouse. Don't let me be... (laughs) But that being said, it's my hope And my prayer 
that no one leaves here today and quotes me as saying that the Torah commands us to worship other gods. Because that is not what I said, right? One person may say, he heard me say that and he's going to quote me on it. (laughs) Thank you. But I do want for us to all learn from that verse that I intentionally quoted out of context to be able to judge others carefully and correctly, accurately, not just from little snippets of what you heard them say, or worse, what you heard someone else heard that they said. And I could go further on down the line. You know the whole telephone message thing where I tell you this and you tell them that and it comes back to me. It's an entirely different story that I never said, that I never even thought of. We've all been guilty of of some form of that. But we have to be aware that when we find ourselves being guilty of doing it, we allow the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, to correct us. To reel us back in and say, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Time out. Did you really say what you meant to say? Did you really hear what you thought you heard? Is this the truth? Or is this your perception of the truth? In some cases, the best judgment is not to judge at all. Since we don't know the whole context of what anyone else is doing or what they have done. Sometimes it could be someone recounting what they did wrong and we didn't listen till the end when they said, so I, the Holy Spirit caused me to repent from that because it was the wrong thing to do. But we left that part out because we didn't wait to hear that much. We got into that moment of judging because we heard them say what they had done, but not how they remedied it. I want people, I, I want people to judge me the way I judge them, so I have to be careful how I judge them. Otherwise, I could face a worse judgment, and not from them, but from our Father in heaven. He's the ultimate reason we watch what we speak. We check our thoughts. We hold our thoughts captive. And sometimes the best way to look at it is this. If you can't say something nice about somebody, then don't say anything at all. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you, we bless you, and we just glorify you because you love us. And because of that, we love you. You loved us first. We can't say that we loved you first because that's not the way it worked. But because you loved us first, we return that love to you by not being so judgmental of your other children. Those that may be gone astray for the moment. But that we will be sincere in our judgment, only directed by your Ruach, by your Holy Spirit, when we do make judgments. And that we would not turn that judgment into gossip by telling everybody else what we heard, what we said, what we saw. But we would turn it to you. So that you will work in that person or those persons to bring them to an understanding that it is the wrong thing to do. To bring them to repentance. And then 
I pray that you would use us to reach out, to take their hand and be with them and help them, directing them to your word and to your love. We thank you, Lord, for this day, this Shabbat day that you have created, that you made for us, that we can rest in you today, that we can enjoy one another's company and fellowship as we recall your goodness and your greatness among us. Let our testimonies within this room flow out to others, that they will hear of the good things that you've done for us and they'll want to know more about it. That they'll want to know, how do you get that kind of love? Let me tell you. Open our mouths to tell them. Thank you, Lord God. In Yeshua's name. Amen.